0: Use thy voice, up, Fill the sky! Bring
1: the Hello, and welcome to The Final Ghost Podcast, where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism. In this first series, we're bringing on special guests to dive deep into film and TV shows with witchcraft at the heart of them. I'm Anna, co-founder of The Final Ghost and your podcast host. In this episode, I welcome not one, but two esteemed guests. Film critic and broadcaster Tara Judah and Thea Berry, cinema producer at The Watershed in Bristol, and curator of the film season Reclaiming the Witch, which played at The Watershed last year. We recorded this episode a while back, so excuse the somewhat variable sound quality. The chat will be definitely worth it. We will be discussing the 1993 childhood favorite, Hocus Pocus, which sees the devious Sanderson sisters. A trio of witches, played by Beth Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy, return from the grave to continue their quest for immortality. A gang of kids, including a magical talking cat, take it upon themselves to stop the coven. There's also a musical number because. Well, Beth Midler's in it. Jump back. Twist the bones and bend the back. Easy to, take up it to Malachi,
2: Back in 1693, the people of Salem, Massachusetts. Witches? Yeah? Thought they got rid of the Sanderson sisters for good. years later, Ow. it's Halloween Eve, and they're back. Oh, we are home. Are you boys a little old to be trick-or-treating? We're talking about three ancient hags versus the 20th century. How bad can it be?
1: Now they're digging up old friends <laughs> and running amok.
2: Amok, muck, amok. Muck.
1: Looking for the one thing they miss most.
2: You stay for supper. I'm not hungry. But we are. Ah!
1: Only one boy has the power to stop them. Prepare to die again. You have no powers here, you fool. Before all Salem falls under their spell.
2: Hello, you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: We're really excited to be talking about one of um. Is it safe to say it's one of our all of our childhoods favorite Hocus Pocus? Yes. Yes? Tara, you're not you're not fully agreeing.
2: Hocus Pocus not one of my childhood favorites because I think I probably was. I think I'm I'm showing my age here. I think I was a bit older than a child when I probably first saw it. So um. But yes, a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first watch it, Thea? I'm
0: trying to think. It was probably, uh, it was on telly and we'd recorded it off, um, recorded it off telly and then would watch it. I think I, I remember watching it a lot of like sleepovers and then when it was, you know, the scene where they're doing the musical number in like the, the church hall. And me and my friends used to re- reenact that quite a lot and do that. And I can't, I can't remember how old I was when I first, when did it come out? Nineteen nine.
2: It was in the 90s.
0: Yeah, it was definitely the 90s. Yeah,
2: so I, that's... <laughs> it was 93.
0: Well, so that's the... Yeah, so that's the year I was born. It's
2: 93. <laughs> um, Let's move on quickly from that detail. <laughs> so, so you probably saw it... Like, was it still on VHS when you saw it? Or had they moved into DVD by then Oh, no, it was still VHS. Already? Okay, great.
0: Because then I also used to sit it in my local video rental place. And so we would either record it off the telly or I'd get it from there. I don't, I've never seemed to have watched it the whole way through in clips, and this, and I was always a bit freaked out by Bette Midler, and her teeth used to really creep me out a lot.
2: Yeah, the teeth are are kind of like, for me, one of the images from the film that is the most enduring is of her, of those really quite disconcerting teeth. Um, I think that the... I'm fascinated by the way in which the three sisters, Bette Midler mm-hmm. Kathy Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker, are depicted visually yeah. um, and the different ki- kinds of visual witchery that yeah. they have. And I, I think definitely, especially because I think maybe with Bette Midler, she's such a at the time was also a figure that you would identify with Mm -hmm. other, I mean, you know, like she was in other great films and she was such a popular singer that you would identify her as like a positive image. So they needed to do something physically distorting in order to make her identifiable as this evil witch, I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I, well, when I saw it, I didn't know who any of them were, but I recognised, who's the one that's not Beb Midler or Sarah Jessica Parker? What's her name? What's her character's name? Is it Mary? it's mary yeah. mary yeah, yeah yeah so i recognized her from sister act and i was like oh she's in this so crazy um was <laughs> just sort like and that was sort of my link to it sarah jessica parker's character used to really creep me out because i was like she looks like a dead woman who was so who she was so thin and so like sort of spindly and she yeah she used to really I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't trust her. She also her. has
1: that song where she's flying on her broomstick above yeah. the town, um, kind of say, singing Come to Me Little Children. So she's yeah. kind of luring the children in so they can suck out their life force. Yeah, God,
0: I'd forgotten about
1: Not that. Not
0: an innuendo. <laughs> yeah, and she sort of had those dark eyes and the white hair. Um, but I also, I really loved like all the fashion from like their outfits, there was always a lot of inspiration for me for like Halloween, and I wasn't. Uh, Halloween was not something that we celebrated. Not but celebrate. really, basically, we weren't. Didn't really take part in it as kids. Part of, again, part of my parents' thing of like, Halloween is uh, rubbish. So, don't <laughs> so like, don't nice. it, it's it's junk. Like, it's gonna rot your brain. All this kind of stuff.
1: But you're absolutely right. You the kind of their um, excessive witchiness, like mm. it's very, very camp, but Sorry. it's something that you don't really get as a childy. You just yeah. kind of see them as, oh, this is what witches look like. Yeah. They're sort of kind of grotesque in a way. And the way that each one of them sort of, like you were saying, Tara, kind of distorts their face in very distinctive ways. So kind of Kathy Jamie kind of has this thing where her lower lip kind of twists to one side. and yeah. Midler has this kind of like squirrely look, um, to her, and Sarah Jessica Parker looks really gaunt. Um, when she's you know very beautiful in in this film, but she's kind of too gothy in a yeah. way. And they've got this like very each one of them has a distinctive color. So Bette Midler is um green, and um uh, Kathy is red, and Sarah Jessica Parker I think is sort of dark blue
0: or like purple, like movie yeah. sort of color. Yeah.
1: And they stick to those uniforms throughout the film, so it's great halloween outfits yeah
0: and i was always really um i really also really liked the cat as well because i used to watch a lot of sabrina the teenage witch and those sort of animatronic cats or, or basically all animatronic animals
2: <laughs> yeah we just brilliant yeah i'm definitely here for the cat also for <laughs> sabrina the teenage witch salem of the television show the old one uh definitely here for that cat and also for the for church in pet cemetery <laughs> here for all of those cats <laughs> in a really big way, <laughs> love an animatronic talking cat. So it's also always so sassy. But then I think the one in Hocus Pocus he was not
0: not sassy. Quite a serious cat. Was he quite a serious cat?
2: Yeah, I guess he had serious moments. Although there are some punchlines. Like there's that bit where he's run over by the bus when oh, Sarah Jessica yeah. Parker's kind of sort of driving on the bus driver's lap. She's kind of sort of driving the bus. It's a really disturbing scene. Um, And then they, like, run over the cat and then he reinflates and comes back to life and sort of, like... It's, a, it's quite a it's a, a weirdly, I think for a child, that's probably quite an upsetting scene to watch mm-hmm. a cat be run over by a boss and then see it kind of reinflate to life. But as an adult, like you say, Anna, it's really campy and it's actually really hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's got this real comic edge to it. And I think um, certainly in all of their performances, I was really struck by that, that, yeah, as a kid, obviously, you would think that they're kind of a bit kooky or scary as witches Um, but watching them as an adult they definitely just seems like they must have had a hell of a lot of fun filming that you know it's the kind of thing where you can see that they're all having a great time putting like the kook into their performances Um, and the ways in which they do that is actually by being I guess, the kind of characters that would be slight outsiders of society, you know, um, the kind of reverse goth that that Sarah Jessica Park is playing and that sort of, like, Kathy Najimy being that, like, she's she's got, I think you're right with the Sister Act reference. There's that thing about her being somehow almost motherly and, like, cuddly as a figure. Like, that's what she was very much portraying throughout her career in different things on, on, on TV and film. Um, but actually, she's kind of, like, she, she sort of reminds you of like a quirky aunt or something. Um, so she's kind of like the, the lovable one of the three. So you've got the different, like, and then obviously Bette Midler is the sort of the matriarch of the three of them. She's the strong leader. Um, and I think that's why she's more scary. Somehow those teeth are more scary than the other, um, I mm-hmm. guess, sort of quirks that the, that the other two actresses are putting on.
0: Mm. It's funny, and I say that she is quite like a squirrel i have never thought about it now but it's like it just it makes it so clear that she sort of looks like that and um Cathy character her hair sort of goes up a bit like a pumpkin like the stalk from the top of the pumpkin and he's yeah, he's just inc- incredibly mm. camp in the best possible way
1: Yeah, and Sarah Jessica Parker has this way of sort of slithering around almost. Mm -hmm. Like she's quite, she's very skinny. So she's got these very long arms and they're sort of elongated with her outfit and her long nails. So she's just always kind of moving around in this really snake like way. So they almost, each one of them is kind of using animalistic like movements. Mm. Um, But then what did you think about kind of how they actually tapped into all those witchy elements so there's obviously the black cat who is actually the protagonist and the hero of Hocus Pocus and you know a victim of the witch's curse but then also there's the outfits there's their lair there's the cauldron there's their magic spell book um there's the broomstick you know it's set in Salem Massachusetts which was the base of um kind of the famous witch trials and um witch hunt in the states but kind of how do you think it really enables all of these little artifacts and signifiers of the cinematic witch
2: yeah so I I feel with this film that um, it it definitely plays into the kind of negative stereotypes. But I think that it's it's interesting because there is a schism between whether you're watching it as a child for that kind of level of enjoyment. Or if you're watching it as an adult and if you get that kind of camp kitsch layer to it. Um, because I think that does change the, the way you might read or understand the film. Um, certainly that you know the, the the fact that it's got all those tropes of of what is kind of negative in society about women that would give them this label of being a witch which is that they lived with other women they don't live with men they're you know they're spinsters or they're single they're you know not interested in 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 that kind of heteronormative lifestyle and relationship um and nuclear family they don't like children except for to steal their life force but then you know they're not. So socially there's this whole thing and definitely I have to say since having a child I've really noticed that how true this is that everyone in society kind of agrees that like children are amazing and we all love them and like you know there's this sort of warmth towards them and there's something that's deemed to be um definitely there's a kind of social contract of something's deemed to be wrong with you if you're not if you don't love children if you're not interested in children which I think is really peculiar because lots of people don't and it doesn't mean that they're bad people it just might not have an interest in children and and certainly one of the thing about witches is, is that they hate children, is that they only want to take from them um, and they want to do like mean things to them rather than kind of celebrating the child in society. So it's about the kind of social attitudes, um, the social isolace- isolation, uh, the way in which they're visually depicted. And even though actually all three women are really beautiful, they're actually depicted as not beautiful in this film. And I I mean, I kind of hesitate with that because I still think that they are beautiful on screen. But the signifiers are of not beautiful, uh, which is those kind of like affectations um, and the makeup and the, the even the outfits is supposed to be not a beautiful thing. I mean, it's kind of funny because you sort of need to then think about also like the fashions in the context of the time um, and how in the nineties, some of those fashions, like some of the things like particularly what Sarah Jessica Parker is wearing was actually kind of fashionable in the nineties, but it was fashionable for a kind of alt sort of fashion. So it was sort of like an alternative kind of girl that might wear those sort of like long hippie drapey clothes or the crushed velvet or that kind of thing. So that, they're kind of signified I guess by the, the the context of the time but also how they're viewed through the eyes of and I think viewing it through the eyes of a child and with the protagonists the kind of collective of the children um, who who kind of stumble upon the witches is that they are frightened of them or they are an adversary to overcome but actually I think when you watch it as an adult instead of being on the kids side weirdly you're kind of on the witch's side <laughs>
1: 100 percent. and as you were talking the thing that also came to mind was the fact that they're so they're such exaggerated versions of not just what we imagine being witches but also they make themselves stand out in that crowd so even especially when they travel back to say um you know the 90s um in the film they they are so wild looking not because of kind of how they've um their makeup or kind of how they're almost distorting their face but even their outfits and how colorful they are their hair is just wild and very vibrant and all over the place and they sort of saunter into any room and instantly make the crowd part and everyone else seems so vanilla by comparison to them so there's almost as an adult watching there's a campiness but there's also a pride in the way that they stride into any place and completely own it and they are the most powerful creatures in any room and this is particularly noticeable in the scene which is the most Beth Midler thing you can possibly imagine where she goes into a high school Halloween party full of parents and students and terrible Halloween outfits and just sort of saunders over to the stage and starts singing I put a spell on you and if you google hocus pocus the main thing that will turn up is going to be that scene and it's a fantastic very cabaret-esque rendition of the song and it's her kind of casting an actual spell on the attendees with her sisters kind of playing backup vocals to her and it's it's so fabulous and camp and all over the place and that's kind of the, it seems so much for the adult viewers of the film as opposed to for the kids because as kids that scene has no meaning except for the fact that they're casting a spell on the Halloween party And now you're mine <laughs> You can't stop the things I do I ain't lying No! no! Uh, Don't been 300 years right down to the day. Now the witch is back and there's hell to pay.
2: <laughs> I just on you. Good joke. Happy Halloween. Thanks a lot. No, man, I'm and serious. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, got you got to get me. I'm not kidding.
0: Yeah, you see the parent, the two parents. One of the, the mum, she's dressed up as Madonna, and she's there with like her like her cone bra on, just like going for it. And the kids are like, yeah, like you know, like you, we're trying to save you. You're in danger. And the mum's just like, oh, go away, kids. It's my night of freedom. I'm like out on the town. I'm just listening to this. This is amazing and having the best time. And even though me, and my friends would watch that and we would like we'd sing that song. I'd never heard it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't get the reference. I just knew that it was kind of it was kind of a fun fun thing. But I guess obviously when you know that song and you know like sort of the history behind it, it's gonna have a lot more it's going resonate with you. Like a lot more. Um and the way that sort of Bette Midler completely commands that stage and she fills that room with her presence. And I always found that with Sarah Jessica Parker's character who the one who's deemed to be the most beautiful out of the three this sort of temptress um and i was thinking when she she digs up her ex-boyfriend billy the zombie to chase them and she had s- sewn his mouth shut when she <laughs> when uh, she was alive i can't i can't remember why she, she did it probably to stop him like i don't know like be- betraying her or anything like that and that's at the time i just didn't, i didn't think about it i was like okay yes she did that but the fact that she did that but she's also the one supposed to be ensnaring all the children in and she's the most beautiful one is the way that her beauty completely tricks everyone but was to me like the most frightening
2: either witches are kind of gross and ugly and really disgusting, um, you know, with boils and pointed noses and all that kind of thing, Um, or they're so beautiful that they're kind of mesmerizing uh, and and, and able to trick you. It's this duplicitous nature of how I think society kind of deems uh, the the female form and that they're either an object of great beauty, um, but that we should be suspicious of that, or they're 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 horrible and, and unattractive. I mean you really cannot win unless you're somewhere in between. But that actually makes me think so much of um Nick Rogue's The Witches, which I, I watched a lot as a child and was absolutely fascinated by angelica houston's face um largely because she is so incredibly stunning but also because in the film she can take off her face and then has this this hideous face that is just the most grotesque thing you could possibly imagine underneath and it's that kind of notion of 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 these witches and i think it's interesting with the three actresses in hocus pocus because they're all so well known and they're all so beautiful um that they represent a a a kind of they're sort of friendly witches in a way in that they're, they're, they're not so austere looking as, you know, Rogue went kind of really extreme with Angelica Houston's characterization of a witch being really um, sort of brutal beauty, I think. Uh, but there is definitely the sense that either the, the beauty is something that women use to deceive or it's actually not also the kind of concept of it's not their true self and that 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 the whole thing about removing the face makeup removing makeup um what women really look like underneath all of the charms and you know literal charms that they adorn themselves with to present themselves to others uh, as as a kind of visual trickery um and that you know that's age old that's in like Shakespeare plays it's in everything like how we, we, we women sort of put on this facade and, and are not to be trusted.
0: Mm. Well, totally. And there's also, as you think of in um, uh, The Sword and the Stone with Madam Mim, and when she sings that song about her just, about how she tricks people, how she transforms herself into either be- being sort of this beautiful sort of um, with a bird-like sort of sing-song voice into like a troll or a dragon or anything anything like that and it is the way that you know this complete distrust of women of seeing as a disobedient woman is something immediately to be fearful of and to be completely distrustful of
1: Speaking of the true form of the witches, there is one moment at the at the start of the film where we kind of see their sort of true form, which is a lot older. You know, noticeably the color in the hair is gone and they've just kind of captured a child and are preparing to, you know, um take the life out of her. And you can see them sort of instantly, especially in Beth Midler's hair, you can see kind of streaks of red appear as the life key kind of goes back into them as well um but there's a there's a moment where they're sort of captured by the villagers that they when they're trying to keep the door shut that Beth Midler I think just says we're just a, we're just some just some lowly spinsters there's nothing to worry about here there's no witching going on there's no power there's no secret knowledge no killing of children um what did you think about kind of the the brief representation of their true form and kind of how does that fit in? In other versions of screen Witches,
0: I think you see that a lot of the witch being old makes me think of, um, is it, st- is it st- Stardust? Stardust. Yeah. yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle was Pfeiffer yeah. being this like incredibly like haggard, like crone, and, and all, all her
2: hair is falling out. Yeah. That's the thing, it was always the most visually um striking to me is this kind of concept of like you know things that could actually happen to you that that they're things to be they're presented as things to be ashamed of um and you know that that's horrendous really if you think about the reasons that you might have alopecia or that you might lose your hair um and you might be physically be going through these these sorts of transformations of ageing and, and whatever else, they're seen as really hideous and shameful and something that should be hidden away. Um, and the only solution to that, obviously, is to take Claire Dane's heart.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so much um, uh, sort of around the ideas of beauty surrounding women, that long, lovely, like luscious, like slightly curly hair is completely synonymous with beauty. And you look back in so many also like Disney princesses who are sort of threat to from other powers. So you've got Little Mermaid, uh, Princess Jasmine, Mulan, even though she does cut her hair, she has this long hair and it's totally associated with being like a young, beautiful woman. And the threat of sort of having that taken away, I think is, it it says so much about how society just views women, women of just being only beautiful, but if you
2: look this certain way. Yeah, and it's also, it's infantilizing, mm. you know, it's all about youth, really, if you think about it, because the, the, the adverse to those things is that, well, why wouldn't your hair be long flowing and, and soft and luxurious? Well, because it's becoming brittle and white or gray and you, you're aging. So that's not what happens to your hair when you get older. And why wouldn't you have flawless skin that doesn't have any blemishes on it or isn't um, in any way wrinkled or or kind of sun damaged? Well, the reason for that is because, you know, you're, you're basically... an adolescent or a child so it's it's also this kind of this juxtaposition that society also wants women to basically be um youth and it's a you know it's a really dangerous infantilization of 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 the the female form is that we're actually not happy to see uh women age and and just just literally become like adults actually
1: That is also something that keeps reoccurring in a lot of screen stories of witches. You know, you've named Stardust, obviously in Hocus Pocus as well. The main driver of these witches is youth, is regaining their beauty and their youth. Um, Why do you think kind of that keeps happening with these characters that are presented as almost all powerful extremely knowledgeable already kind of not shun but chosen to be living outside of um whatever their society is um so why do you think kind of that pursuit of this very traditional notion of what a woman a woman's greatest power which is youth and beauty why do you think they keep following that
0: well i think really that um you read a lot about how beauty tends to, especially you know, in lots of, sort of like grim fairy tales, and beauty is something that's used to trick people and it's another form of power. So, while a lot of witches will have that amazing sort of power and knowledge and be a sort of in, in, incredibly intelligent beings, to have that extra power of beauty would be, you would sort of have like the trifecta of having, of being this all powerful being. You, know, you look at some, like Ursula the sea witch in the Little Mermaid. She is incredibly knowledgeable, has a lot of skills with her with her magic and her power, and uses it to, uses it to trick people, mainly to gain more power, and then transforms herself into a beautiful young woman to be able to kill King Triton and rule the ocean. So it's totally it's, it's another tool into becoming a, a sort of a a powerful like not leader, sort of in a way just a being.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the power dynamics are really important because obviously the reason that the rest of society, the reason a kind of heteropatriarchal society would want women to be youthful and and beautiful is that if they're only valued for their beauty and if they are of a kind of age... um, a a younger age bracket, then society is able to exert more power over them. And so that's that's society's aim is to have us in a a kind of way that we can be controlled. And so the witches and the idea of, of, of of females being witches is that they're they're actually fooling patriarchy. Is that their 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 greatest trick? I suppose is that they're able to pretend to be non-threatening, um, which is uh, uh, attractive and youthful and something that the rest of society can value the way that they want, but actually. Um, what the witches are is just women who live by themselves, women who live with each other, women who are aging, uh, and none of those things actually make them so-called evil, except for the fact that patriarchy can't necessarily control that or can't have a hold over it or doesn't see any value in it because it's not aesthetically pleasing. So it's it's this kind of idea of like the power struggle being that it's a you know it's a real paradox actually if you think about it for women witches. Is that the only power you can have is in being duplicitous? You can't, you're not able to access power in any other way because the only thing you can use is what society's structure has against it in order to survive it and so I think that's the kind of I mean I I don't think you get that as a child but I definitely think that that's kind of the structure actually that is inbuilt and why these narratives sometimes work as stories for adults is that you can kind of you know identify with the struggle of like yeah it's really hard and the only thing anyone will value me for is if I'm young and beautiful Um, and that's the only way that I can get the power that I need to kind of function in this strange structure that exists around me
0: i think it's sort of about um sort of witches living on their own and being yeah being single women not a lot of the time either sort of mid like middle aged and that is something that in um well does the witches is that all the witches are middle aged or they sort of sort of 60 plus and they all sort of dress as assert- you know in that film you you see them all dressed in a completely certain way of like this uniform of like a knee length skirt um maybe some sort of like rigid blazer you've got the hat you've got gloves
2: it's very much like what you have to wear to a jewish wedding
0: (laughs) 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 it is this uniform and i i remember when i first i first saw it because i'd read the book a, a lot as a child and I used to listen to the tape, and I remember the tape had really scary music, and I was always, I was scared of a lot of really odd things at child, but the thing that really used to scare me was on my tape player, and when the tape had finished, and you know, the really scary music, and I'm in my bed, like, really, like, sort of shitting myself Like this, because music's so horrible, and we have terrible dreams, and the, the sound would pop up from the button, and it would go really loud, sort of bang. And so, I don't know how that's relevant, but it's another part of, like, my fears of listening to this. And I used to listen to it all the time and it made me incredibly like distrustful of a lot of like older women that I would see around. So when I would go to church as a kid and I would see older women just on their own and they'd be giving out just sweets to the kids in church, I'm like, don't take that because they're going to take you and put you in a, fo- in like a painting and you're going to die in that painting. <laughs> or they're going to turn you into a... Po- <laughs> into, <laughs> they're going to turn you into this. And it's so... It's quite insane... How I was comp- sort of not brainwashed, but so incredibly affected by this film and by that—that that I was just like any woman wearing gloves. I was like, "Well, guess she's a witch then. Better stay, aw- better stay away." And when you, I, when I was sort of doing research for the season, and I um, was reading a, l- a lot of interviews with Roald Dahl ab- about sort of why he wrote this, and he said. Oh I didn't you know they're not women they're demons they're just in female form because that was sort of the most sort of easy way to trick children because you're taught as a child to sort of stay away from men on their own but if you're lost in a supermarket you go go find a nice lady she'll look after you that's uh, so true yeah and this and this film and this book just went yeah don't do that either
1: and that's the same with hocus pocus as well you know yeah. i mean they sort of embody very vividly the the notion of the witch you know they're already kind of look mistrustful in many ways they're not having uh they don't have a cloak around them to make them look more trustworthy for children especially but it's an interesting comparison with the witches as well because in both Hocus Pocus and that film they turn kids into animals as punishment
0: yeah those um yeah, those really great animatronic mice <laughs> crawling, <laughs> crawling up the stairs and going under underneath the carpet and and also something that um, sort of quite stereotypically, oh, women are really scared of mice because mice are sort of a synonymous with like dirt and women are sort of traditionally supposed to be like, you clean the house, you do all the cleaning, make sure everything is sort of spick and span and seeing a mouse sort of running around your house um, is perhaps sort of a sign of, oh, maybe she's not doing her job properly as a woman of like cleaning the house and doing this and being something you want to squash and stamp on and get rid of um it's really quite an amazing business plan that they have is to trick children with chocolate and turn them all into mice like it's really quite impressive
2: it's also that notion of um turning them into what i guess the projection is of what they think children are so a pest yeah or a domestic um animal to be kind of controlled or to be you know that, that there is this idea of children should be controlled in fact in a way it reminds you of that sort of really old-fashioned idea of children should be seen and not heard yeah, you know yeah. that they they should be quiet and they you know they need to be made smaller more humble more cute um or you know or or they are just a pest that needs to be eradicated um which which again is that kind of you know the most horrifying thing society can imagine is that you don't love children i just i find it really fascinating especially it's really become heightened for me recently because i've i've noticed that People treat you so differently if you have a child with you. It's like astounding that if you move through the world um, as a single woman, m- people don't notice you or they're not interested in you, unless it is because of your uh, your aesthetic value or you know they're catcalling you or whatever. But otherwise, you can kind of move through the world and people don't really notice you or aren't really interested in 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 your kind of presence. Um, and the instant that there is a child involved everyone in society somehow feels like curiously actually feel like they have ownership over that child even though it's a completely distinct individual human that is you know not not owned by anyone um and i'm really struck by that idea that people think that children in society um somehow they have the hope for the future somehow they 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 don't have this knowledge or this power that knowledge allows you that is negative so they haven't kind of reached that stage yet um, which means that everybody thinks that they're they're part of something to protect and so that's really i think at the heart of these films is kind of you know what are these what what is these witches crimes because actually they don't really do anything else that's Th- th- that's bad do they they're not they're not going around doing terrible things to everybody they don't like children um, and that that's their crime and that's what they should be punished for and I think it's you know definitely a really important trope that witches do not give birth to children in films or TV or in popular culture they are not mothers
1: it's not even that they don't like children is it is that they see children as a means to an end to satisfy their own needs they need or they want to be younger more beautiful eternal more powerful and children and their life force in the case of hocus pocus or whatever it is are um fuel for that they're not they're not kind of human beings that they need to protect and they're not absolutely they're completely denying that sort of caring aspect of womanhood that is supposed to be innate to every single woman they're just saying actually no we just want to we just want to be all powerful and eternal and all-knowing and if this is the means for us to get that great let's call some kids
0: yeah there's um in um kiriku and the sorceress which is a of uh an animation that i used to also watch a lot as a kid um was that sort of the thing that karaba the witch the reason why she was so beautiful is because she would eat children and eat men as well and this sort of fear of a woman being like a man eater or sort of consuming like flesh in order to sort of maintain um her st- her standing and that she's living in this sort of um sort of afrofuturistic cave with these robots as her sort of servants and minions and it takes this small baby to sort of pop. Also, the fact that this small child is so special that he's like, to his mother who's trying to give birth to him, he's like, Well, you're taking too long. I am just going to walk out of my, this womb right now. I'm ready. I'm going to do this. I'm hearing all of these stories about this witch. I'm going to go and sort it out. And this tiny little baby sort of popping along. And the fact that as a small child is the one who can then remove the thorn that's causing her all this pain. And so rather than her being this creature of something who is just, she's just sort of evil and eats people. That's sort of her thing. She likes jewelry as well. That's sort of kind of her thing. That she you knows that she has this pain and he removes the thorn. She then kisses. So then she then develops this immediate love for this child who then And then he turns into a man, like straight away. Yeah, and then they get married. It's really weird. <laughs> it's, it's really, really odd. And I didn't, I, I don't know, I never really, again, I just, I never thought about the processes of these things. I was like, yeah, okay, so he's now a man and they're married. But it's really odd that, well, this small child is the saviour to some somebody who was supposed to hate them and then cured her of that pain. Mm-hmm. And then she now, that the pain has been taken away by a child. She's like, oh, okay, sweet, now I'm going to get married and maybe I'll have a baby too and I'm no longer like a witch. So the power of like sort of forcing a child upon someone who doesn't really want one, thinking like, this is going to sort you out, That like, trust me.
2: I think it's interesting as well that you... P- brought up um eating and the kind of idea of of sort of like devouring uh children it actually makes me think of that fantastic film dumplings which is not about witches but um where where she she to to regain her kind of youthful glow is also needing youthful um It's a really disturbing film, <laughs> but don't watch it if you're about to have a baby. It's probably not the right thing to, to be watching at that time. But it is really fascinating, this concept of um what witches or what these women in society also do, is that they're, they're kind of disgusting in what they eat, um, or their, their oral desires are disgusting. They have an appetite or, or a kind of desire or a lust for... A gluttony for something that is disgusting and you know even if we don't see that in an explicit narrative where they're eating uh, the young there is always still that same concept of the cauldron and, and, and what that is it's about um, you know, women being associated with cooking, with providing these meals, with being around a stove and providing something that is hearty and warm and, and, and cozy and all of those positive affirmations that you would kind of associate with what's good about eating. But witches do the opposite. They put disgusting things into these cauldrons. They put, you know, Eye of Newt and Lizard's tails and all these horrible things and it, you know smoking potion is stinks you know we don't we don't smell it but on screen we know it stinks Um, so it's this this kind of foulness to the traditional roles that women are supposed to um, uphold and this idea of in I think there's something about the idea of them ingesting something really disgusting uh, that also makes them abhorrent and there's also the glee that they take in it like even
1: when they're Their faces are above the cauldron with all of those stinky fumes, and you're right. We can't obviously smell it, but we can tell, and we kind of instinctively know. Oh, that's foul. But they seem to really enjoy it. They're like, "Mm, "This is gonna (laughs) be great." And it's. I think it's also taps into the notion of kind of female pleasure in anything. In these women and the witches in Hocus Pocus in particular, they have are having so much fun. They're just like, "We're witches. We're wicked." We look like this, we're absolutely fab and everyone should step outside because we're having a great time just being us. And that kind of seems so scary in a way. And so, um, I don't know, I want to use the word abnormal, but I know it's not a great word to use. But that's kind of how that gleeful witchery or that gleeful wickedness sometimes is presented. Like these creatures are creatures to be feared because women should not enjoy being powerful or being wicked or enjoying their desires or their appetites, whether that be an appetite for power, for knowledge, for beauty, or children, um, they should not be enjoying themselves this much. And kind of that is so exemplified, I think, in Bette Midler's performance, especially because she's sort of the de facto ringleader. Not just because, kind of an industrial term, she was a star at the time of the making of Hocus Pocus, she basically single-handedly got the film made. So it started moving ahead once she... was in the project um because it was lingering around in development for a while and sarah jessica parker was not a big star yet she sex in the city was a few years ahead of hocus pocus and you can see her bed middling around everywhere you know the song and dance routine is kind of her being her and giving a bit of bet to her fans who ostensibly would not be children but would go her to kind of see her gleefully own the room and enjoy herself choose scenery and kind of be a star in whatever situation you put her in and even when she makes herself grotesque with sort of her squirrel mouth and kind of that huge dracula-esque hair that she has it's still Beth midler underneath it and she still looks fantastic and kind of behaves with such joy and kind of such power in the room um it's it's the campiness of it kind of really makes the film so joyful when you watch it as an adult but I can also see kind of how that's inherently creepy I remember it being really creepy as a kid like they were freaking me out um, because of the fact that they were so in your face with their witchiness but what I wanted to kind of ask you guys as well about is the power dynamics between the three witches so we've been talking kind of a lot about kind of three women, single women living together and kind of working on themselves and their witchcraft. But Beth Midler is the de facto leader of them and sometimes she is quite snarky and sassy to her sisters. My favorite line is when the kid calls them hags and she's like, how dare you say that about my sisters? Yeah. As if that doesn't apply to her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hag! There are not enough children in the world to make thee young and beautiful. <sighs> uh oh. Uh, sisters, did you...
1: Yeah, what he called you. Whatever, shall we do with him?
2: Let's barbecue and fillet. Hang him on a hook and let me play
0: with him. No. Where's the thing? You know, I grew up with two sisters, so you become this sort of gang, and you have that. You know, when you're at school as well, you're you're part of a gang of girls, and there's always one who is a bit of a dick, who like is just a a little bit bitchy, a little bit snarky, is you know, but sort of sees himself as a leader but also some sort of, like, protector of, like, your sort of, your group you know, it's quite fascinating, when when I used to work at a nursery, and you see those sort of power dynamics sort of start to build with young girls, of being in a girl gang, and then one minute you're all together nothing can break that sisterhood bond someone might do something that might annoy somebody, and you're pushed out.
2: Yeah, this actually reminds me very much of the kind of teen horror movie tropes um, and something we've talked about in previous episode when we talked about the craft. Uh, the way in which these structures will have one person who is the leader and that person has so X many, um, you know, kind of henchmen as they were <laughs> uh, or henchwomen in, the, in this instance and they are particular types as well. And so you have the kind of mean, the head mean girl and then there's there's always one that's prettier than the head mean girl, you know, who kind of has that sort of role. Um, and that's Sarah Jessica Parker in this movie, who is the kind of more beautiful one. Maybe she's not as clever as the others, though. You know that maybe that there's different reasons that they value each person um, in this kind of trifecta, or sometimes three or four. It's usually three or four people. Um, in fact, quite often, and I think you know we've had this discussion about the with the craft. You know, it's that idea of three, and then the fourth one comes in. And so you know, that, and that's where. It, and that actually is the same exact same storyline for Mean Girls, the movie with Lindsay Lohan. So, you know, it is that concept of teen movies about like what makes somebody, what gives someone power and what gives someone power is actually having a number two and a number three. And so Bette Midler has to be this kind of like powerful figure who has her number two and her number three. Um, and it, it's that kind of trope for me that, that, that sets up in the scenario.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you have that in sort of a power in numbers, and making yourself feel like you had these minions that could go off and do your go and do your bidding for you if you've got you know a bigger fish to fry or whatever. Um, with what what are those eels called in Little Mermaid? Is it Jet Jetson and Bletzam or something like that? I can't remember what they're called, but it's something like Jetson and Bletzam. Or and she has those two creatures that are so sort of part of her; they sort of match the way that her tentacles move. And I think that is, you can say that about a leader in a girl gang who can sort of mold the way that her sort of other two, um, the other two women part of the group mold them in a way to say, oh, you need to go this way. You need to go that way. You do my bidding for
1: me. Like this is what we're doing. I'm doing it for the, for the good of all of us. Oh, totally. Thea, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Where can we find more of your work?
0: That's a good question. Um you can uh, find me on Instagram. Um at, I think it's Thea I think it's just Thea Berry. I really I'm so terrible at all social media. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also find me on Conversations About Cinema section of the Watershed website if you want to see more of my writing. There you oh.
1: go. Tara, do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? <laughs>
2: um no, I, I, actually, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was a letdown, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> should, have, should have prepared something. I'm sure there is something. <laughs> <laughs> they get on Twitter. N- never. Oh, I wish we had a camera. I
1: say in Dubai, Up a maybe, up I say in Dubai. That's it for another episode of the Final Ghost Podcast. Please do rate us and leave a review on iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe and do share your favorite Batman moves with us. And on that's social it media. for this episode. You of can the find final out ghost more podcast. about what we do on the, the final ghost. And follow us on at Twitter, Instagram, and, Instagram and Facebook. And follow at the us the on Instagram, Instagram Twitter and Facebook you can also find at her on the final UK. At Midnight Movies. And Thea is at TheaBerry4. And I am on Anna Be Demented. Thank you for listening, I will bring you more Witchy Goodness next week you because